Welcome to the Covenant Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at covenantchurch.net. My mom and my dad are both with the Lord, but as often as the children get together, we're likely to tell stories if we were talking about mom, about things that she did that were interesting, and especially what we would talk about are all the things that we thought that we did that she never knew about, but she what? She did know. Sometimes not because she knew, just by intuition of mother's heart and love. So happy Mother's Day to all you ladies today. You're different from we men. God made you different. In the morning, he made Adam. I believe this is true theologically. In the morning, he made Adam. And in the afternoon, he thought about it, and he went back to the kitchen, we'll say, and he got some extra spices. And he said, I think I can improve on Adam and make him look better and different. And um, he also made the bone structure different and many other things. For all of those people who are confused in our society, I don't know why they do not just study the physiological difference between a man and a woman. And they would come to understand that God made woman, while some similarities, he made her to be uniquely different and gave to her the ability to have a child. I want you to understand as I talk to you today that it's important scripturally to understand that marriage or no marriage, God deals with us individually by his Holy Spirit. So before you are married, God speaks to you. After you're married, it doesn't mean that after we're married that God says to Layla, Layla, my spouse, you're no longer on my primary list. Now Harold is your spokesperson. And every time God wants to say anything to Layla, he comes to me and says, go tell Layla. That does not happen. We know that because biblically, when the angel appeared to Zacharias and to Elizabeth, who were elderly, and said, you're going to have John the Baptist will be born, what did he do? He went to the father, then he went to the mother. And when the angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to have a child, the angel did what? Also went to Joseph. So it was individual. God dealt with them individually. And we know that after Jesus was born, we deductively conclude Jesus, by Jesus' adoptive father, Joseph, is never mentioned after Jesus has grown. So we assume that he was dead. He would have perhaps been 10 to 15 years older than Mary by the culture. Typically men were 25 to 30 years of age when they married because they had to wait to inherit land. So they had to wait for somebody to die off in their tribal section to inherit land before they could get married. As, as a custom. So he would probably been 25 to 30. We think that by the time then Jesus 
would have been going into his ministry, Joseph would have perhaps been reaching 55 to 60 years of age, which means he would have been reaching 15 to 20 years beyond the average lifespan of a man in the days of Jesus. But the point is, if, if Joseph was not alive, then what do we see, whether he was or wasn't? Mary was one of the great supporters of the ministry of Jesus, all the way to the cross, and after the cross, she continues to be an integral part of the ministry of Jesus as a person with her doing her part and being engaged in ministry. So I say to you respectfully, as long as you live, no matter how much you may love someone or someone may love you, that God will speak to you individually. You need to know that. You may get a prophetic word from somebody else, but it would be an exceptional case. Not the ordinary. God deals with you by his spirit, speaking to your heart, speaking to you by his spirit. So women are different. It is said that a man was walking along the seashore, and as he walked, he saw something shiny, a little something. He dug it out, and it was a lamp, and he rubbed it, and as he rubbed it, a genie jumped out, and the genie said to the man, I'll give you one wish. And the man says, well, I live in California. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm afraid to fly. Can you build a bridge from here to Hawaii so that I can drive my car and not have to get on an airplane? And the genie said, you have asked for a very, very big thing, and it's not that it can't be done, but do you understand how much it would cost and how long it would take and how much concrete and steel and all those kind of things? Would you like to, I'll give you another second chance. And he said, could you help me to understand my wife? And the genie said, I'll get started on the bridge. <laughs> now, there is truth to that. And I vow to you, I've been married 52 years, and I vow to you, I do not understand Layla. I do not make any presumption to have it all nailed down. And sometimes she speaks to me and I say to her, do you realize you just leaped across Mount Everest? And I don't have any clue where you are on the other side of Mount Everest. You know, you just went across the mountain somewhere, but I don't know which mountain or where or how high or how to get there. Can you say amen, men? I need an amen from the men. All right. So we're just trying to understand because it's in this understanding that we actually grow. Because our society, uh, there's a sickness in our society that's trying to make it look like men and women are all the same. And we're not. We are distinctly and uniquely different. You really need to buy into that and follow it. And, and don't, don't, ever be, don't ever let your mind get muddied by things that just happen in a moment because it takes 30 to 40 to 50 years for things to like mature and grow out in a culture. And 50 years from now, it'll still be women having babies and not men who had surgery. 50 years from now, we will figure out that some of the things that are happening now were just frivolous notions of ungodly people and that they didn't pan out, that we couldn't survive with that. So please understand, I am in the interest of not trying to, 
I'm not trying to bend your mind. I'm just a fact-driven person when it comes to Scripture. And I believe, I believe in the uniqueness of women and the uniqueness of men and that God has meant for us to live together in wonderful harmony and to be children of God. So I'm going to talk to you from that perspective, and I'd like to read to you some verses of Scripture that I think are salient to this end. In 1 John chapter 4, and beginning with verse 10, we read about what is fundamental that makes us tick. What makes us tick? Day before yesterday, I walked into my garage, and I wanted to grease my lawnmower, and it's a battery-powered, wonderful, wonderful tool. A grease con that's battery powered. You don't have to keep pulling the trigger. You just pull one trigger and the battery's supposed to make the grease keep coming. I love that tool. But when I picked it up, the battery was dead. And I thought to myself, if I didn't have a battery, and if I didn't have a charger, and I didn't have electricity, that wonderful, marvelous $200 tool would be a piece of junk. As pretty as it is, and when I see it, I just, I delight in that tool because it is so awesome to just pull the trigger and grease the mower in a matter of two or three minutes when it used to be such a royal pain. But the fact of the matter is, when the battery's dead, it's no good. Now, what you must know and what you must understand, you've got to figure out how to recharge your battery. Because if your battery's dead, you're really not much use for God, nor anybody else, nor for yourself. So here's where we get our battery charged. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God and God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now, I share that passage with you, and it's a whole lot of love. But it's basically saying to you, God is love. And the agape love of God is what engulfs us. It's what surrounds us. It's what, what is our blessing, that God loves us unconditionally. No matter where we came from, 
no matter what conditions we were in when he found us, he loves us unconditionally. His love is toward us. But he's also saying to us that his love toward us is to be manifested in us and that we are to live out his love. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the heart. The last sermon Pastor McCready will do. Let's talk about the heart. First of all, just some unique things about the heart. How many times a minute do your heart normally beat? About how many? On average, on average about 70, 72 times a minute. The Bible mentions the heart in the Greek and the Hebrew more than 1,000 times. Now, here's why. It's because the heart is the only part of your body that in ancient times they could tell it was really beating. So it's only been like the last 500 years or so that they really figured out that blood actually goes through the heart. They didn't understand all of that until fairly recent centuries, even though doctors were actually looking at this muscle thousands of years ago. Uh, but they, about 500 years ago, they figured out more that it has four chambers and that blood courses through it. So to the ancients then, this pulsing of your chest was your signal of life. Therefore, they thought everything inside of you, the wholeness of your being, was in that beating of your heart. So that's why the heart is so important in Scripture and why it's mentioned so many times. Heart beats about 70 times a minute, and in a lifetime, your heart will beat about 3 billion times. Can you imagine that? Is that mind boggling? 3 billion times. And about every minute, your heart will pump about 10 liters of blood. So your heart is sending all the blood in your body through your body more than two times a minute. Boom, boom. Because an electrical impulse from your brain is going down and electrical charge hits your heart and causes it to go boom, boom, boom. And the muscle contracts and the contraction of the muscle forces the blood into one chamber and then because that blood goes in, the chamber closes, it opens, pushes in new blood, another chamber opens and around through the four chambers. And if your heart, if you're looking at me right now and your heart stops beating for five to 10 seconds, we're gonna have to call the medics for you. It doesn't take long. If your heart stops beating for 30 seconds, you're gonna probably be going unconscious. So I don't wanna make you nervous but at the same time, I do want you to make you sensitive that this little piece of muscle that's the toughest muscle in your body, it's tougher than your legs, it's tougher than your biceps, this is the toughest muscle in your body, that it's a very precious part of your life, and without it, you have no life. We can amputate a leg and you can live. We can amputate an arm and you can live. We can amputate an ear. We can take an eye out. But when the heart stops beating, goodbye. That's very sobering, isn't it? Now let's add one more thing. I want you to see that here's one of the things that's unique. A woman's heart in a case of 25,000 people involved in research, 
they found that a woman's heart beats faster than a man's heart. So there are other unique things that are different between a man and a woman, but that's one, that a woman's heart tends to beat faster. Now, let's talk about this and take it apart a little bit, if you will, please, and ask why would we have the question and look at Jesus, a man, let's just deal with that a moment, Jesus, why would we look at a man to talk about Mother's Day? Well, the reason why is pretty simple, because the Bible says that everything that was made was made by him and for him. So he is the creator of woman. So he understands a woman better than any man could, because he was man God. And so what we see here and what we want to deal with is this scripture verse it says, where your treasure is, what? What's the rest of it? Where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. So that's why we want to use the heart. What, what's precious to you is where your heart will be. So we're going to take this apart just a little bit over the next few minutes, and hopefully you will leave with some things, men and women. You'll say, that's interesting for me to think about. I'd like to look at three different women in the next few minutes, if you will, please, and see if we can take away some lessons from these three people in the Bible. First is Deborah. Now, yes, there are churches. I've been to churches, and I have friends who go to churches that when they come in, all the women sit on one side, the men on the other side. They divide right there, okay? I mean, it's all, I've seen lots of strange things in my day. I've heard lots of strange arguments in my day. I've heard lots of people trying argue and extenuate arguments about how the man is to be the head, the boss, and all of that, but I must tell you, I don't feel like that I could offer you one good example in 52 years where Layla and I have had a knockdown drag out over who's the boss in the family. I just think that's silly. I really do. In fact, I got to thinking about it, and I thought I would tell you something. Once back in time, when we lived in Petersburg, we went to look at the possibility of pastoring a church in Withville, Virginia. 17 people showed up for a little old cinder block building that was uglier than mud and didn't have restrooms. And we were offered the opportunity to pastor 17 people. And Layla and I talked about it and we talked and we talked. And the last thing she said to me was, you make the decision. And really, to tell you the God's truth, I wish she had made the decision. I got out of the car and walked toward the bishop saying, why is she putting that on me? <laughs> I don't want to make this decision. So I got thinking about times when Layla said, you make this decision, and most of them were times that were very uncomfortable for me. And I just had to ask God for wisdom to make the decision, and I didn't feel like I was a hero. So that may not be what you came to hear this morning, but don't invite me to sit in as a referee on quarrels about how big a boss the man is and how the woman's supposed to do what he says. I will not sit in on those arguments. I think it's got to be a relationship that is respectful before God, and the woman should respect her husband, and the man should love his wife, and women should respect men. Men should love women as their sisters if they're not their wife. And I think that we should all see ourselves as creatures of God. Now let's talk about Deborah and be specific. 
Bible talks about Deborah here in Judges 4 and 4. So they're inside Canaan. They have forgotten what God's done for them, and they keep sinking into idols and all kinds of things. But God raises up a woman, Judges chapter 4, and God calls her a prophetess. That means that she, God reveals things to her that are futuristic. And the Bible says she judged Israel for 20 years. Now, if you want to put some other titles to that, she was the president. She was the chief justice of the Supreme Court. She was the CEO. She was the premier. Put all the titles you want to put because that's what that means. She was the person that, if you want to say it in a colloquial way, called the shots for Israel for 20 years. Now, I love the Word of God because it is so beautiful. And one of the things that happens here is she holds court where? Who knows where she holds court? She sits under trees. What God is telling you is protecting her reputation. Suppose every day you'd have had men coming from all over Israel and going in their home. And sometimes her husband's out on business or out working on the farm or whatever he did. And she's got men coming in her home, staying two or three hours. Well, that would have been very bad reputation. So God just slides in this little note. She held court under the tree. And then the, you've got to say, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's just God's protective hand for her integrity. She summons the top general of Israel and says to him, God wants you to go to war against our enemy. And he says to her, I will not go unless you go. Verse 8. And she goes to war with the general. So here she is, the judge or the ruler of Israel, as it were. And she goes to war with him. Can you imagine? He says, I won't go if you don't go. So she was his courage. So what do we take away from this story of Deborah? We take away that she was respected by the men of Israel who came to her for counsel and that she was tough. She was a tough woman riding off the war. So, ladies, may I say to you this morning, study Deborah to know how to live your life in such a way that when you speak, men respect you and that you live your life in such a way that you are tough on the inside. That toughness comes from God. That's not something that we give to you. It comes from God to you. You find yourself in him. And you are a whole person. You know, I remind you again and again, when I proposed to Layla, she looked at me and said, exactly what can you do for me that I can't do for myself? I'm a whole person. I don't need you. And I want you ladies to hear me this morning. You are a whole person in God. Respect yourself and be tough. Second, Esther. We go to the book of Esther, and we find that the most powerful king on earth is looking for a wife. And in verse 7 of chapter 2, we're told that Esther is fair and beautiful. 
and that the women, verse 13, could ask for anything, any kinds of clothes, gold, silver, jewelry, perfumes, lotions, the best in the whole world to come out dressed. They could come out and present themselves with anything that they wanted to ask for to make themselves look appealing or beautiful before others. But the Bible tells us that Esther would only wear what was recommended to her. So we do some takeaways. We do some takeaways and understand that modesty is more beautiful than the stuff we put on our bodies. I am grateful to the pastor's wives of this church who set an example of modesty. I'm grateful to Layla and Nicole and to Angie, pastor's wives here, who dress modestly and conduct themselves and deport themselves with modesty. But I think it sets an example before all of you. You can be stylish and yet be modest. Pay more attention, this is what we take away from Esther, pay more attention to the inside than the outside. Pay attention to the way your heart's being built, ladies and men. Pay attention. You know, as we came down Huntington Road this morning, 7 o'clock, a man is jogging in the rain. If he's going to be out there five minutes, he's going to be soaking wet because it was coming down pretty steady. I am okay if you jog. It does not offend me if you go exercise. It does not bother me if you press weights or whatever you do. You should take care of your body. You should eat properly. You should not drink things that harm your body. All of those things, absolutely, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. But I had to ask myself, would the man go home this morning, shower, clean up, and put his church clothes on, and go get something done about the inside of him? Would he actually come outside of his box? One of our parishioners works with a, a local doctor. And she said, so many of the people she works around say that they are Christian, but that Sunday it's just too much trouble to get out of bed and to go to the church. So they don't go to church because it's their day to lay in and chill out. So what that's telling you is, this is all about me. I don't owe anything to you. I don't owe anything to anybody else. I don't care if I can make a difference in anybody else's life. It's just about me. And that is not scriptural. Pardon me. That's not scriptural. It is not the way Christ lived his life. He lived his life laying down his life for you and for me. And he says to us, if you want to follow me, then you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. So a life of sacrifice. Esther was willing to risk her very life to save others. The queen 
of the most powerful king in all of the earth at that point in time was willing to risk her life to save other people. At what point do we say, you know, this is not about me, but it's about what I can do that'll make a difference in somebody else's life. In about 10 days from now, Layla and I will leave for Tennessee for the seminary board meeting, and we're going to leave in time, hopefully, to go back into Dant, Virginia. And we hope to visit with a 14-year-old girl who's living in a mobile home that is far from anything that you would imagine. And I'm trying to be careful because I'm on recording and this can go out. She has dreams of being a gynecologist, but her life is strapped with more adversities than you can imagine. And you know what happened? Last night, a young man in the church texted me and he said, I can't get that young girl you told me about when we were painting together one day in the church building here. He said, I can't get her off my mind. He said, I want to help. So I said, will you give to Layla what you want to do and Layla will decide how we can best help her when we see her. Don't have to do that. It's miles on our car and gas I won't get compensated for. Nobody on earth is going to like reimburse me for that as far as I know. Time out of our life. A few more extra hours. But just suppose that that young girl gets a spark inside of her that she does something nobody else in her whole family has ever done. And just suppose that one day it would be my granddaughter that she would save her life as a gynecologist. Just suppose. Because you see, there are those sitting among us today that you hold professional positions that you are that person. You came from nowhere. <laughs> You've done things that your family never dreamed of doing. And you're making a difference in people's lives. That's pretty touching to me. So Esther teaches us the willingness to sacrifice to touch other people's lives. Let's finish up with Mary quickly, please. Mother of Jesus, Luke chapter 1, verse 27. So here we have this very interesting story of a girl who was probably only like 15 years of age. And an angel comes to her, and I want you to get the picture now, and I want you to put yourself in a situation. If an angel were to come to you right now and to just appear to you, I mean physically in front of you with the glory of God, how would you react? And how wonderful it would be if the angel would say to you with pleasantness, I'm bringing you greetings from heaven. If that's the first thing that came out. Wow, wouldn't that just be, can you imagine that? I'm bringing you greetings from heaven. That's really what the hell meant. H-A-I-L. It meant, I'm bringing you pleasant greetings from God. I want you to know that you are highly favored and that God is with you. Wow, can you imagine? And that you are blessed. And the angel says to her, and I don't want you to be afraid because you have favor with God. This means you've got negotiating room with God. You ever run out of mercy? You don't want to run out of mercy. 
One of our children got a speeding ticket in, uh, or a ticket in going through Withville, Virginia. And really, they should have gotten the ticket. Uh, they'd gone to sleep driving, and they wove over the line, and they got stopped, and they got a ticket. And so I went to Withville, where I had lived for five years and four months, Layla and I, and pastored a church. And I went to court with him. And we had hired a lawyer we thought was going to get done, but the lawyer was a bad lawyer, and it didn't help. And so I asked the judge if I could speak. Now, more than 20 years had passed since we lived in Withville. And I asked the judge if I could speak, and he said, sure. And I stepped up to the bar, and I said, Your Honor, I'm just going to make an appeal. Uh, this is one of our children uh, that's, uh, that's a good person, and he's a good student in college, and thus and so, and thus and so. And I said, is there some way we could work this out, thus and so? And the judge leaned over, and he, we negotiated, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this, okay? I'm going to work it out so it won't go on his record and all. And he said, all right. And then he leaned a little further over toward me, and he said, how you doing in Charlottesville? <laughs> and he was a judge that was not a judge when I lived in Charlottesville. He was a lawyer that I knew, and I taught at the college, and we knew each other. And mercy came across the bench, not because my son, but because of my relationship with the judge. Now, what you want to do is you don't ever want to run out of mercy. You want some negotiating room. You want some favor with God. You don't want to run your life out on a gangplank and find out you got no mercy. <laughs> so he says, you're favored with God. God's got some room for you to be blessed. God's got some room for you to ask for some favors. And says, now look, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a baby, but it's not going to be by man. And it's going to be the Messiah. It's going to be Jesus. And here's what I want you to get as you close this with Mary. Mary says, not all of her fears, not all the anxieties, but she says, I'm available for God to do whatever he wants to do with me. That's what you take away with Mary. Now, when, ladies, when you live that life, you're going to live a blessed life. And men, when you treat women as if they are precious in the sight of God, and you push them to be available for God, more than available for you, when you treat your sisters and your mother and your aunts and your other people in your family, your sister-in-laws, as if they are valuable to God, and you say to them, no, I think you should do what is right. I think you should listen to the Lord. I think you should be obedient to God. I think you should live to where you have favor with God. Then you can feel like you're a whole person. You will never wake up in the night and say, well, I, I have to have somebody with me to be a whole person. I didn't say it first service, but I will tell you that God's truth. Every day of my life, I try and live as if I'm going to die first and leave Layla. Every day of my life, I make decisions so that she can be a whole person in case I die first. Every day of my life, I try and make business decisions and financial decisions. And I talk to her and I say, this is what I would want you to do. 
I would want you to be strong. And I don't mean this cavalier, but I'm going to tell you one more time. I've said to her more than one time, if I die first and you come to my grave and you're sobbing and a nervous wreck and you're a mess and people wonder if you're going to keep lose your mind, I'll be ashamed of you. Get your crying over with and walk to the grave and bury me and walk out of the grave and live like you are a woman of God and you're somebody. And go and be powerful and do something for Jesus. That's how I feel. That's how I feel about you, ladies. You're awesome. You're powerful. You're unique. You're different. Yes, you're weird. You're, you're mystery. You're sometimes weird or strange. No, I think the men are weird. Yes, you're all those things, but you are God's treasure and you belong to him. Now go be powerful for him. And men, you treat them as if they belong to God. Your words matter. Your actions matter. What you do and say to them matters. They bruise more easily than perhaps we do. Think before you speak. Do kind things. Be gracious to them. Help around the house. Help with the chores. Washing machines were not made for women. They were just made to wash clothes. And anybody can push the buttons. Dishwashers are not female. They're just a machine. I'm just trying to talk to you this morning. I want you to hear me well as we close this morning that we do this together and we respect each other. We treat each other wonderfully. Yesterday, I was busy with the Lord's work and I had neglected to eat and I stopped in at the Wendy's on Pantops and I got a pecan salad. And when I... I sat down and opened it and ate it. It was one of the best I have ever eaten. And I, I was very pleased. And I thought, now wait a minute. And I went back over and I said, who's the manager? And they said, well, he's back there. I said, sir. And he came out. I said, sir, I just wanted to tell you that the salad I just ate was awesome. And the lady standing in front of me, she said, I made it. And she just beamed. I thought, just making a good salad and being thanked. I, I happen to think she probably went home last night just still thinking about she pleased a customer. It doesn't take much, but it does take effort. I hope this message today, I hope you do some takeaways. I hope they change your life. I hope the way you treat each other and the way you treat ladies and men, the way you think of your sisters and your sister-in-law and your mother and your daughters and ladies in the church, that it will help you to be a better man and that you ladies will be blessed by the way we treat you and that all together will be powerful for God. And conclude. If you don't have God's love in you,
as we pray this morning, say this. Say, I want your agape love in my heart. I want to be whole as a person inside. I want to love like Christ loved. I want to lose that selfishness and let it go away. I want it to go away. I don't want to be lost in me. I don't want to be lost in my vainness and vanity. I want to be seen as a person that loves the Lord. Will you stand with me this morning? God, in matters of the heart, you are challenging us and helping us to understand that where our treasure is, is where our heart is. I believe you're speaking to us this morning by your spirit. And I believe, God, that you are uniquely and wonderfully by your Holy Spirit visiting us individually and that we are vessels that you have crafted and made to be wonderful for your glory. And that as we're humbling our hearts before you, you're doing a work in us. You're helping us to understand that we need forgiveness for our sins and we ask for that. But we're also asking you would help us to live so powerfully in you that we would have favor, that we'd be blessed and that we would be a blessing. In the name of Jesus, who's Christ, we humbly pray. And the people said, amen.